What's up, Colby? How you doing? Not bad. How are you? Doing pretty good. Is it Vashon or Vashon? Vashon. Vashon. Got you. Okay. All right. Well, dude, I know I hit you up probably a month ago. You're doing the exterior painting. You're leaving notes on people's doors, getting after it. You got a crew now, right? Yep. Got a whole crew going. So how many people on the crew? Right now, I have three. I had five the last time we spoke, but I gotcha. let some people go. Okay. So. Not bad. Not bad. Keep the margins high. Oh, yeah. I don't blame you. So... I know that it's like an internship that you're doing, but obviously like you were drawn to the entrepreneurship aspect of it. So I guess what is it like specifically about the the entrepreneurship aspect of business in general that really draws you to whether it's exterior painting? I know you were saying like it's not necessarily exterior painting. It might just be anything. Right. So in my experience all through high school, growing up, I've always had a passion just for, you know, being my own boss. I guess that's the typical answer, but I don't have a problem with authority. It's just I want to create my own schedule, be in charge of what I can do, my potential. That's really what draws me to it. Got you. Yeah, dude, that's like, it's funny because like that is legitimately the the biggest reason why I think 90% of entrepreneurs get into it because like at the end of the day, like you just sort of said something about the authority. Like, I feel like the entrepreneurs who fail in business are the ones who can't accept authority. Like, there's an aspect of being able to accept authority and be like, all right, listen, like, I have time to learn. Like, you're learning from mentors right now, and you know they're your authority. They're over you now. But, you know, in the future, the idea is, like, you know, you owning your own business. If you don't mind me asking, like, do you have any ideas of what you would want to go into? So, I'm currently working on a clothing business. Okay. I'm in the process just at the beginning, but I'm hoping down the road in the next, like, three years or so, I can actually launch it. Gotcha, okay. Um, so... Is it, like, an athletic wear? Like, what's the whole goal with it? It's more along the lines of the clothes I'm wearing right now. You know, I'm always for the comfy, but... Yeah. And the more semi-casual. Gotcha, okay. Wear, so. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like, like, the, the mid, um... You know the brand BYLT? I do. Yeah, like BYLT where you can wear you can wear it like to the gym. Like I've worn I've worn stuff like that to the gym. Even like this shirt. I've worn this to the gym and like wearing it here on a podcast. Like I can wear it anywhere, so that I I, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's cool. Um all right, so I know I asked you like sort of what drew you to the entrepreneurship of it, but like where did it start? Like where did that spark come from? Did it come from like a first job you had? your parents maybe like where did that spark in you sort of stem from i can't really pinpoint an exact moment i think it was a you know pile of different events you know growing up i've always been a super creative person i used to do a lot of graphic design growing up and that kind of led me once i got to get into business and learn what that was about i tried to figure out a way to apply creativeness to business and to me that was marketing um, so social media marketing, stuff along those lines. And then as I got more into business, I started to learn all the different aspects of it. And getting into college, I realized there's so many different aspects. I just need to learn everything as much as possible. And to me, that was entrepreneurship. Got you. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's like all encompassing because like, you know, I, I, I always laugh because there's nothing wrong with the nine to five people. And there's nothing wrong with the clock in, clock out. But it's a completely different mentality in business because you realize that like, like I know people going for marketing right now and they're going to get a job at a big company and run their social media marketing team. 
So they can get great at one skill, which is marketing. Or, you know, I know accountants who just work at a large company and they're an in-house accountant. It's like in business, and you probably, like I said, you know it now, you need to learn how to operate the business, how to be on the hiring side, how to be on the management side, the marketing side, the sales side. Like you need every side. And so it's like all encompassing. And I feel like it's partially like a jack of all trades. You feel like that too? Definitely. So do you feel like, and, and honest opinion, because... I probably would agree with you here. Like, do you feel like you're a master at one of those skills? Do you think that you're just good enough at all of them? Right now, at the point I'm at, I don't really feel like I'm too great at anything. I'm still working on, you know, learning all the different aspects of it. I would just say I'm decent at the majority of it. Yeah. And, and so I feel like, I feel like that's the case for most people. Like, and you have the entrepreneurs like the Bezos, Musk, Gates, which I won't even get into Gates. I, don't, I think he's all bullshit. But like the Musk and Bezos who were skilled at one thing and learned how to monetize it very well. And then like the entrepreneurs who are just the visionaries who see something from a bird's eye view and they put people in place and they're good at putting people in place and like, you know, overseeing the whole operation. But like, they're not the best marketer on that team. They're not the best sales guy on that team. They're not the best finance guy on that team. They're just good enough at everything and seeing the big picture. Right. So, no, I think that's cool. Um, all right, yeah. So, I like I like to ask anyone this, and even like when I meet somebody, especially in business purposes, the one, three, five, and ten year plan. So, whether or not it's with your business or business in general it doesn't even have to be it could be like where do you see yourself in five years personally like what's your one three five and ten year plan okay so in one year so i'm on that unh currently yeah um my goal i really want to focus on school this year because i feel like this my freshman year this past year didn't really go that well for me academically yeah and i want to make sure that i succeed in all aspects of everything that i'm doing so i'm really focusing on school this year so my main goal in the next year while I'm at school, I want to make sure that I'm not just doing all in on school because I want to make sure I'm applying myself to right. every area so that I'm still improving because that's what I've learned from this past year. So I want to be able to go to at least three different networking events each month while I'm at school so that I can improve in the professional setting but also maintain at least a 3-4 GPA. Got you. Okay. So that's one year. Yes. And I just, before you go to the three and five, the networking events completely changed my entire business life. So I think like that's the first spot you should go networking events, start meeting people. And legitimately you walk in, you're like, this is the dumbest conversation I've ever had. And two months later they bring you a deal. And it's like that stupid conversation you had just made you 20 grand. You know what I mean? So absolutely. All right. So what's the three? Three year. Uh, I know I mentioned that clothing business, so I'm in the process of oh, doing that yeah. right now. So okay. in three years, I want to officially have launched that and be at the point, not where I can do it full time, because I know that takes a lot longer. I'll get into that. But, you know, really set it up, create the foundation of gotcha. that clothing business. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think like the, you make a good point, like you're building the foundation of business now. Well, chipping away at the clothing brand by the time you have a foundation in business and you've learned how to operate actually implementing your business plan 
I can say I can see what you mean. So I assume your five years going to be hopefully transitioning to full time on that. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Gotcha. So five years, like you said, full time. I want to be able to, um, you know, sustain my life while working that job because I've always been into fashion somewhat, but also the business side obviously that's what I'm working on right now I feel like someone who's creative kind of comes naturally and I feel like I already have that so I'm working on you know building up my business professional side so that I can succeed in it gotcha okay so that's five and then I know it's tough but ten what's ten ten um honestly at that point after five years I'm doing it full time so ten I want to branch into other aspects, not just clothing. So I know you do real estate yourself. So I've always been interested in that as well. And that's something I like to get myself into down the road. I think that's, I think that's a good plan. And it, I tell people this all the time because I was talking to my, um, I was talking to my cousin's boyfriend yesterday and he's, he's a welder. Like he doesn't, he's not an entrepreneur at all, but like there's two different types of people in real estate. There's the people who actually make a career out of it, and that is their their profession. And there's the other people who just park their money into it. So like the Bezos and Zuckerbergs and Musks of the world, they're not real estate guys. And to be completely honest, they probably know next to nothing about it. They have a team that's just parking their money in assets. So like for you, you'd be an entrepreneur in a different space, whether it's a service business or like a retail business, whatever. And then your approach at real estate, unless you actually wanted to pursue it, would probably just be like an asset parking, you know, monopoly for you where you just, you know, dump a hundred grand in every couple of months and, you know, you just use it essentially as leverage or to fight inflation, whatever you want to do. Um, But I think for anybody, and like I said, I was talking to my cousin's boyfriend, I was telling him, listen, you have cash, start buying property. Don't make the banks richer. Because the more money that you give them in their accounts, the second you deposit it, it's gone. They've already invested it somewhere. They've lent it out at a higher interest rate than they're giving you, or they've just they've somehow used it in a different way. Like those um, the banks over the Silicon Valley Bank that just collapsed a few months ago, they were just pounding on tech startups. So the second that you deposit a thousand dollars in, they sent it into an investment fund for a tech startup in Silicon Valley. And then those startups were all duds, just like NFTs are. They all crashed and the whole bank collapsed because they weren't saving your money the correct way. They weren't putting it into an asset. So that's why I say like the worst spot to keep your money is a bank unless you're saving for a specific reason, like an investment or like for you, maybe a startup, your clothing brand, like you save up, you know, a hundred grand or whatever so that you can just start pounding sand with it. But yeah, I would not... I would not keep your money in a bank if you don't have to. So, um, all right. So that kind of answers, I was going to ask you about your post-college aspirations, but that kind of answers that. So going back, whatever, say two years, like five, five years up to two years ago. So high school, what was your experience in high school? Like normal? It was very normal. Yeah. I would say, um, I was a pretty quiet kid in high school. It wasn't until college that I actually started to branch out. So my both my parents are teachers. Oh, okay. And both my siblings did very well in school, so gotcha. I kind of felt like I had to follow in their path. Yeah. So I was very academically focused. I played hockey, but okay. I mean, that wasn't really like my main focus. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a very typical high school. Okay. Yeah. So did, did were your parents ever your teacher? 
No. No? No, no, no. Dude, I would hate that. <laughs> I would hate that. I, I always, yeah. like, I'd always be in a class, like, at least once a year where, like, it, it was usually a substitute teacher. And there'd be a kid in there, and it's, like, their mom. And I was like, this is so awkward right now. Because, <laughs> like, you know the mom is a hardo now because their kid's in class. Oh, yeah. So it's, like, everyone else has to suffer. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it sucked. No. No. Thank goodness for that. So would you say that in high school, though, anything that sort of regimented your skill set that you took with you now? Like, was it hockey or discipline with grades or, you know, because you are held to a standard from your siblings? Like, is there anything that you experienced on, like, a general scheme of things or even a specific one that, like, regimented who you are now just in high school? Um, honestly, I think being shy okay. in high school was a huge advantage for me because I realized going into college I needed to put myself in uncomfortable situations. And had I not been shy, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't say there was a specific thing in high school that, you know, got me into entrepreneurship, but I would say just, you know, the way it molded me as a person leveraged me to get into entrepreneurship. Got you. Okay. So like, it's sort of like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I'm, I'm a pendulum type person. So if I have a bad habit, I have to swing to the other extreme in order to find a middle ground. So for you, was it like you were super shy? And then you got super talkative in college, whether it was by force or, or voluntarily, but, and you sort of meet the middle where like, all right, here's where I shut my mouth. Here's where I start talking. Exactly. Okay. Now you yeah. nailed that. I, uh, into college, I knew I liked entrepreneurship. So the summer going in, I joined an entrepreneurship club. Okay. And that's, I wouldn't yeah. say that's what really got me into entrepreneurship, but kind of got me, you know, the step in the door. Right. Um, one foot in the door. So there was a lot of networking events though that came from that. Mm -hmm. That's what really got me. Okay. To get out of my shell. Gotcha. Okay. So it wasn't really the club. Yeah. The club was like your, your outlet to all those other. Right. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So now I know we're kind of all over the place, but I know we talked about your one, three, five and 10 year plan. What do you envision for a lifestyle? Like just general question. You answer it however you want. It's a tough question. Um, there's so many different aspects that yeah. I pride myself on. Um, I can't say I want to have one lifestyle. I would say I'm a, I'm a huge travel guy. Okay. I know with yeah. entrepreneurship, though, there isn't yeah. really much time for that. So I want to be able to apply work to travel. Okay. I see. So, like, and I'm just going to use real estate for an example. Like, in, in probably a month or so, I'm going to head down to Florida for a real estate trip yep. that I write off type thing, which I'm actually going to look at property down there, but that's not going to be the reason for the trip, of course. So is that what you're saying? Like sort of, okay, I'm going to, every time that I do travel, I want to make sure that I'm making the best of it. So I'm going to go, I don't know, meet somebody down there that I can add to my business or help my business in some way. Right. Okay. Exactly. I mean, I'm thinking like big picture here, mm -hmm. but if this clothing business, when it is successful, you know, I want to make sure, you know, there's probably going to be different factories you know, yep. that actually produce clothing or oh. like offices. Yeah. And I'm a very hands-on person. Gotcha. I feel like I've learned that through the, the painting business that right. I'm doing right now. So I want to be able to, you know, go to those different places, you know, meetings, events, different kinds of stuff gotcha. like that okay. where I can enjoy travel, but also make it professional do you uh you follow young la 
I don't follow them, but I know them. So yeah. they just did an event, and like their brands, their brands really cool because they are obviously like like a workout brand, and so automatically like you get a very very tight knit loyal community because you're part of something like the gym community, which you know, but if it's the car community, the gym community or the entrepreneurship community, like those are some of the strongest fan bases. So they already nailed it on the head with getting into the gym community. And then they run these events, not all the time, but they run them often and they, it's all influencers. So it's all gym influencers that have these massive followings because the reality is like people who are in shape usually have very good followings if they're an influencer. So they have legitimately turned their brand into like a multi, multi, multi million dollar a year brand. I honestly, they could be up in the in the nine figure That's range crazy. now, unreal. And they've done it strictly from like influencer affiliate and these events. So, you know, they were very hands on, like you were saying, like you're learning how to be hands on. And they were very hands on. They're you know at these events with their influencers and they're. You know, they made the face of their business, the Trend Brothers, who are, I don't know if you know who they are, but they're just, they're just two giant meatballs, like just gigantic dudes. Yeah. And so like the idea of just being hands-on, like really knowing your customer base, knowing your community, and like leveraging yourself in the right areas, you like nailed it on the head right there. So I see what you mean, like applying work to, to, to um, like just traveling or whatever it is you want to do. Exactly, yeah. Um, all right. So now switching gears a little bit, a little bit more like mission type, um, approach, not, like I said, not necessarily with your painting business. Cause that's more a learning experience now, but I think in any business it's important. Like even with this podcast, this podcast mission is to like essentially bring value and educate like younger entrepreneurs with the use of younger entrepreneurs recent steps. So like you're on here explaining what you've just done in the past year. So if there's somebody who's 16 right now looking to start their own painting business or service business in general, they know how to get over those first step hurdles from what you're saying right now. So that's a mission statement, essentially. Like I want to make an impact to anybody listening. Now in your businesses, what, what kind of speaks to you as like your mission or how can you make an impact with it? I would say, honestly, I like impacting people more okay. than, you know, the painting itself. Mm-hmm. I want to make an impact in both my clients' lives, but more so my employees' lives. Okay. So, as a manager, that's my responsibility. I need to yep. manage my employees, but I don't really think of it like that. I'm there to help coach them, help guide them. You know, it's like, a I wouldn't say a parent almost, because I don't want to think about it that right. way. But in a non-condescending way. Yeah, I know what right. you mean. Exactly. So I, I want to make sure that, you know, I give them, you know, a valuable summer. I want them to get something out of this because I know a typical nine to five job going to painting, working in food service. That's what I did. It's not really that great of a time. You're just there right. making money. I want to make this a good time for them. You know, Got like, you. And okay. Like, so that's cool too, because whatever your business you're in, and I don't often hear that, which sometimes like frustrates me because nobody pays attention to the employees really like you always hear these large corporations having problems with their employees their employees are on strike and the most successful companies 
are the ones that treat their employees super well because you get so much more output out of employees who are treated well and respected and appreciated. Exactly. So I think that's great, dude. I think that's awesome. Because, like, at the end of the day, it's really not you. Like, the goal of expanding your businesses is so that you don't have to be the face of the business. The idea is that you delegate and manage and, you know, give people tasks and jobs to be in your place. So, like, if you're not treating the employees well, then the, the client's not getting the experience you want them to get. So I see what you mean. Start from start from inside and work outwards exactly. versus trying to do your best to force your employees to treat the clients a certain way yeah. versus encouraging them to want to. Exactly. Okay. I like that. I like that. So I guess is this is that sort of your way of creating a positive influence or do you do you see like yourself creating a positive influence in a different way from just your employees and clients? I would say with the painting business, it's it's not really as easy to do. Yeah. It's a pretty straightforward service. You're painting people's houses. Right. And my main focus is obviously as manager to provide for my clients and my employees and the business itself. So the branch that I'm running is just one branch out of many across um, the U.S. So to be able to use the resources that the business gives me and apply it to you know, not just my life, but everybody else's lives is really my main goal. Gotcha. So I wonder too, sort of going back to like the employee client new relationship, like that whole thing. Did that spark from the fact that your management is that way? Like your management is sort of like a coaching program to you. Is that where that stemmed from? Or have you always been like that? Yeah. I mean, I can, I'll go back to a story while I was in high school okay. working at, I worked in a food truck Yeah. and my manager, I still talk to him every now and then. He's a great guy. Oh yeah. And you know, it was sometimes stressful working in the food truck. You know, it was super hot in there. I right. all the people that work in food service, <laughs> they know how yeah. it is. Um, but it, it was just really not the most enjoyable thing, but he made it enjoyable okay. and that had an impact on me and that's what I want to recreate. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You know, like we talked about when I worked on the food truck too, I want to hire people that actually have a passion for the business that I'm working on. Yeah. I want to make sure everybody has a role within the business to make sure that it's a lively business. It's a passionate one. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I think that's a great approach too. And you know, there's, like I said, there's something to be said for trying your best to bring your employees into your vision because at the end of the day your business is your business and this is what this is really what differentiates like the clock in clock out workers from the entrepreneurs is that there is no love for the business the only person that loves the business is the owner but if you can do your very best to position yourself so that the way that you treat your employees maximizes how much they care about the business. That's really all you can ask for. And, and Gary Vee talks about this all the time. He's like, he's like, no one's going to work harder in your business than you do. And the expectation that you're going to work or your employees are going to work harder than you on your business is bullshit. No one's going to ever do that. It's your vision. It's your passion. And you're reaping the best benefits of the business. But there does come a point in time where like the employees will still leave their pride on the table for this business. They will put their pride, you know, out there because they do still care about their job and their business, whatever. And it's, in, in my experience, what I've noticed is it really comes down to your impact and your influence. 
and bringing p- employees into your business who feel like they're just they're a part of a larger idea. You know what I mean? Not just a factory worker making fabrics. Like they feel like their fabrics, them being in that factory making those fabrics is much healthier than, you know, some of the larger clothing brands that make, you know, fabrics and uh, who who knows, throws the scraps in the ocean. In your case, this factory worker gets to know that everything's recycled, whatever the case may be. Right. Exactly. Okay. I mean, you nailed that. Yeah. So. so, I think that's a cool approach, dude. I think that's an awesome approach. Um, <clears throat> so, I guess if, if I missed anything, let me know. But, like, the key takeaways here were um, absolutely your entrepreneurial journey started really just formulated throughout high school, like, the way that you kind of grew up and the, the good that you saw in business and the bad that you saw um, not even bad as much as just the undesirable parts of in a, being an employee, like the authority is not what turns you away. It's more just the the freedom, not even freedom from, it's not like you're, you're tied down when you're working for someone necessarily, but just the abundance of freedom. Right. Like, like I'm going to wake up at noon today and no one's going to say a thing to me right. type, type freedom. So there's that. I know you said your one, three, five, and ten year plan. I think that's awesome, dude. I'm rooting for you. I can't wait to see this. I'm, I'll be the first buyer. I appreciate so, that. Let me know when it's out. I'll get I some will. casual wear. I like that shirt too. So you can make shit like that. I'll be all over it. Um, and then yeah, dude, just making the impact. I think really bringing your perspective and your skill set to the business. I think everything that you're doing right now is exactly what you should be doing. And I think for any listeners who are especially younger and in, 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 a, in a position slightly behind where we are right now, this is in, incredibly beneficial because the expectation I think in business, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that it's going to happen overnight. That's number one. Everybody thinks it's going to happen overnight. And even I think it's going to happen overnight, to be completely honest. I'll be completely transparent. I get pissed off sometimes when I don't, when I don't see the money rolling in like I wish it did. Because we see like these Eamon Gadgies and, um, you, you know, just whoever. I don't know how many dropshippers you know, but I follow some dropshippers. I follow some real estate guys and wholesalers. And I'm like, this kid's 18 years old and he's raking in $4 million a year. What am I not doing right? The reality is for every one of those guys, there's 5,000 other wholesalers that are just starting. And they're, they're in the same spot we are. So by the law of averages... I think we're still ahead. But I think for any listener listening right now, it's the idea of like positioning yourself in a, as I want to say beta spot, like a vulnerable spot in business where you're just open-minded to learn, grasp all the knowledge you can. And that's exactly what you're doing right now is like, like you said, no problem with authority. You're accepting authority and the mentors and the people who know more than you and just applying it. At the end of the day, that's really, it's very simple. So Exactly. I think like the biggest thing in business and entrepreneurship, especially, especially when you're first starting as well, you need to be coachable. Yeah. You need to understand that, you know, you're not an expert in what you're doing. And in order to become an expert, you need to learn from experts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I say that all the time too. It's like, sometimes you don't want to listen to the mentors too. Sometimes you, you think that you know best. You're like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Whatever, he's made $10 million. He has no idea what he's talking about. Right. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And sometimes the advice that they give 
is like I've noticed from some of my mentors, the advice that they give me is very general and very bland. And I've always sort of wondered like, like I want specific advice. Like I have a specific question and I want a specific answer. And what you start to learn is that there's not one way to succeed in business. Like I have a question, how, how do I structure this deal? Ah, you could do it multiple different ways. It's like, Okay, that sort of opens your mind to like the freedom and the ability to kind of expand throughout your business and really put your own touch on it. Exactly. You know, being authentic with yourself is key. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I learned most so far in my journey, it's, it's to take advice, but take it in your own way and apply it to your own life in your own way. Right. And it, in order to do that, sometimes the advice that they give, it's going to put you in uncomfortable situations that you don't really want to do. So sometimes you do need to do that to find the way you do want to do things. So let me ask you, have you ever been in a, in a spot where a mentor gave you advice? You were like, I know I need to do this. I don't want to do this at all. Yeah, all the time. Even today, like in the business that I'm doing as a manager, I have a mentor. You know, he's been helping me out through this entire process. I mean, who wants to wake up? in the morning and go drive around and put flyers in people's mailboxes. No. I guarantee you nobody. Nope. It's not a fun thing being a manager, but there are aspects to it that are rewarding and you need to do the uncomfortable, non-desirable things in order to achieve what you want. Perfect. Perfect. That's exact, And that's the exact message I'm trying to get across to everybody is that, you know, the people who say, oh, oh you're in your 20s, have fun, go party. No, no, no. The five years and 10 years that I'm grinding now, by the time I'm 25 to 30 years old, is realistically when most people will be at their peak of their careers, right? Yeah, at their peak of their careers. My idea is I want to be at the peak of my career, like 25. By the time you're at your peak, I want to be practically retired. So doing the uncomfortable now, um, you know, and I see so many people in college, dude, who are just completely lost some some juniors who are still undecided or or not undecided but practically undecided they're not in there undecided they're in a major but they've switched it seven times right what are you doing wasting so much time and then they're at the frat parties it's like well don't get mad at me then we're the successful ones you know what i mean like it takes a lot of work it takes that dedication that discipline but really just that blind faith and the vision that what I'm doing now, it it's not going to work out. It has to work out. Exactly. Because I'm putting a lot on the line, and you're putting a lot on the line in terms of sacrifice for, for you know, essentially what your dream is. And so it's like the idea of it having to happen versus, ah, it'd be great if it happened. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's live or die now. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I want to make a comment on that. I don't think you mean, you know, every single step. I think you mean big picture. Like, you need to have the idea that it's going to happen. But the steps right. along the way, it's going to be up and down. Oh, yeah. To be able to handle that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I mean, like, your, the question I asked about your lifestyle, like, your, your dream lifestyle, that has to happen. Because I don't have my dream lifestyle now. Yeah. And nobody has their dream lifestyle at this age. But the idea is, like, the kids in college are having so much more fun than we are. There's no doubt about that. 
Now, I'm not saying this isn't fun. We still love the business, and there's there's something to be said for that. And you know, there's certainly a different way of, of being wired in the head uh, as an, uh, with an entrepreneur. Because I also don't judge people who are who are nine to five workers. They like if that's what you're good at, stick with it because that's awesome. I, I just couldn't do that. But I know so many kids who are having a blast in college, and you know, my my thing is like, listen, I didn't go to college. I'm not going to these parties. I'm holding myself at home. I'm isolating myself to work so that in five years, I'm going to be able to do those those parties and go to maybe not college, but you know what I mean? Like travel around stuff. Right. If it doesn't work out, what did I do all this for? So it's really like, you know, that little element of force. Like you need that little kick. Just like even with this podcast setup, I, I told you how much it costs. I was okay spending that money because I said, I have to, now I have to make content. Exactly. I'm sitting on a lot of money here. I have to use it or else what was it for? Exactly. And that, there's actually this thing I've been trying. I heard it through a TikTok actually. It's called the three second rule. You yeah. count down from three and once you hit zero, you have to do whatever mm-hmm. you think you're, if, if you're laying in bed, waking up in the morning, you know, I always had the hardest time waking up, you know, three alarms, couldn't get up. Until I started doing the three-second rule, and then, you know, this applies to so many different aspects of life. But the whole idea of it is exactly what you're saying. You, there's everybody has a passion for something. It's all about the people who are willing to trust in that, put their trust in that passion, actually go out and do the work. Mm-hmm. And the three-second rule, I think, really applies to that because three, two, one, go do it, no yep. matter what. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Like I've done that. I've done that walking up to a girl like multiple times you know what i mean like all right you, you you're not you're not gonna not do this you're already in this situation so three two one go do it it's funny you say waking up dude i set every every morning i have a song my alarm clock's called the sonic bomb okay. it shakes the bed it has like a, a shaker pad under it and it wakes up the entire house every morning at six and i have seven alarms on my phone set Still can't wake up. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should try that with waking up. I'm, dude, I'm such a little bitch waking up. Yeah. It's unreal. <laughs> My roommate always used to get pissed off at me because I would have like five alarms. So yeah. If I'd put one, I used to go to the gym at like 5.30 every yeah. morning and I would have like seven alarm sets. Yep. He wouldn't get up in the morning. He would like wake up at 5.30. Sometimes I would just sleep in because I was so tired. Yeah. That three seconds won't trust me. But, um, I used to go to the gym early too. Are you still doing that? No, not anymore. Not uh, sustainable. It. I think it can be. I think I just kind of lost passion for it. Yeah. And put my passion into you know, my focus into other passions. Yep. I guess, but I think you know it's something anybody could do. It's, yeah. It's, well, I only bring that up because I went. I used to wake up at three thirty and go at four. Okay. And that, it, it, it was steep, dude. It was steep, and. But then I wouldn't go to bed until like 12. Yeah. So I'd get like three and a half hours of sleep. So that's why I say it's un- unsustainable. Like some people, my dad goes at four in the morning, but he also goes to bed at like 7.30. So it's like, yeah, I used to go to bed like at dinner time. My whole family would be eating dinner. I'd be dead asleep. Mm. Yeah. I'm a morning person. So I always I go to lucky. bed. Like typically I'm in bed at like 10, fall asleep at like 10, 15, 10.30. And then I wake up at like six now. So Yeah. Yeah, my um, first hour of my day, don't talk to me. <laughs> like even my boss said it the other day. He was like, he's like, 
you know, you're a real asshole. The first hour at work. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not an asshole. I just don't speak. I just give one word answers. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, don't talk to me. Just kind of get your space. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, you tell me to do something, I'll do it. But I'm not going to conversate with you about it. I'm tired, dude. Yeah, no, exactly. But it's the same way for me at night. Like, yeah. I'm ready for bed. Just don't talk to me. Let yeah. me go to sleep. Yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. Um, all right, man. Well, no, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on here today. I appreciate you kind of explaining your story, sort of like where you are at now, what your passions are, and where this all stemmed from. Um, you know, I encourage anybody who needs exterior painting, hit my boy Colby up here. He does a great job. I've seen, I think I've seen some of your work. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, I can't remember where, but I know you, you, had, you brought up a house or a street that you were on um, in Salem. Mm-hmm. So, you guys do good work. So, hit my boy up here. Uh, and then one thing I like to do, and since you're the first one, I don't have a question for you. I could probably come up with one. But I want to leave off every podcast with you asking the next guest a question. You don't know who it is. You'll have no idea who the guest is. So, it, it has to be like a general-ish question. Um, but like a question that you think could have a deep answer that would be valuable to the listeners i would say what gets you up in the morning got you okay i'll make sure to ask my buddy that um all right i'm gonna make one up for you then what would you say are three non-negotiables in your life i would say personal time yeah I'm not a super outgoing person. I can be, but I need my personal time yep. in order to, you know, reset. reset. Yeah. yeah. And then, so that's number one. Number two. Hmm, let's see. I would say don't mess with my ideas, my passion. When I have an idea, I have my mindset on that, and I hate when people are negative yeah. about it and try okay. to tell me, you know, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You're just going to fail. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I can use that and, like, actually do better because of that. Yeah. But don't don't disrespect. Like, yeah. yeah, just shut your mouth, watch it happen. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then number three... Non-negotiables. Let's see. I would say... Probably, you know, messing with the people around me, you know. Okay. I would say I'm very close with the people, Mm -hmm. you know, that I know. And I have a close, close close-knit circle. Yep. And that includes my employees as well. Yep. You know, that's my focus as a manager right. right now. So don't mess with my employees or the people I know. I love it. Swear. I love it. Don't tread on me. Exactly. Awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Of course. Appreciate Good talking it. with you. You too.